Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Bill Danzel of Dutch American Capital. Our topic today focuses on offering financial solutions and strategic advice to the public markets. So thank you for joining us, Bill. Thank you for having me, Patty. Sure. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Ah. <laughs> um, I've been in the financial service industry since 1981. Uh, I came into uh, with uh, Merrill Lynch. Uh, did 15 years with uh, uh, Merrill Lynch and Prudential Securities, uh, opened up my own shop as an IRA, and they um, really focused in on special event investing. Uh, uh, my clients were primarily Middle Eastern, uh, but we were investing into the U.S. on ideas that I thought were great. Uh, which never were, and and so I um, uh, I had a mandate uh, that each investment would work. Uh, so yeah, that led to proxy contests, <laughs> and, um, all sorts of um, uh, 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 you know uh, uh, things that you do as an investor to try to get the management team to do the right things. Right. Uh, so I, I employed all those tricks uh, for about ten years. Uh, and then I was, I was working on a roll-up of money managers. Uh, uh, it was not a blind pool. Mm -hmm. And that pool, uh, uh, as I pulled it together, we were, uh, we, it was a roll-up IPO. And 9-11 uh, occurred, uh, uh, knocked me sideways. I, I did try to go private equity. Uh, but all of the, uh, I actually went to JP Morgan for this and, and they ended up moving sideways for six months and I couldn't, I couldn't hold it together any longer. So I went and acquired a, um, a NASDAQ firm, a technology firm that, um, did pattern recognition, pattern recognition technology. Uh, the founder won the Nobel prize in physics, uh, it all came out of uh, Brown university. And you know, I took him to the NASDAQ global markets, changed their business model around and then exited. And uh, done a couple of startups, worked for a private equity firm uh, for about seven or eight years. And right now, uh, uh, building out a, a diabetes center, comprehensive care diabetes center in rural hospitals. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, and that project that got disrupted by 9-11, uh, that's back up on the table. Oh, nice. I have a tendency of getting stubborn. <laughs> That's a good thing, obviously. <laughs> and things nice. that should have worked didn't work, and then I go back to it. And so I've gone back to this with a very talented group. And um, uh, so this is my do-over. Uh, well, maybe it's uh, just the perfect timing. Uh, well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> nice. Hopefully there's no 9-11 in our futures. No, keep fingers, toes, and everything crossed. <laughs> Now, what inspired you to enter the investment advisory industry? It was, yeah, I, I remember sitting in the Merrill Lynch training class um, uh, and being asked that question. 
and it, I, I was uh, 26 years old and I had a baby on the way. And I said, oh, really, honestly, I just want to support my family. Right. That, that's it. And the, the backstory to that, if, if, if you don't mind, I have a tennis background and, and you know, with the family on the way, the, the tennis had to go bye-bye. Right. And I remember my dad saying to me, he said, son, if you ever need money, find something to sell. Mm. And if you do it well, you'll make more money than the CEO of that company. Wow. And <laughs> so I, I wrote three things down. I was sitting at the kitchen table and I wrote three things down. I, I first wrote down real estate. Uh, I lived down in Hilton Head, South Carolina, a very mm -hmm. active real estate market. And I go, you know, it'll probably take me a year before I sell my first property and you know, everyone's going to starve. So <laughs> that's not going to work. I wrote down insurance and really not knowing anything about insurance. Uh, right. you know, by the time I got to the end, my eyes were totally glazed over. And, and then I wrote down stocks and bonds. I go, huh, I know nothing about that. than <laughs> the other two. And so I, I went into the uh, Merrill Lynch, local Merrill Lynch office uh, and you know, asked to be employed. And they really didn't want to hire a 26 year old from a small town up in New England uh, 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 with, uh, um, uh, you know, the family and friends without means, uh, <laughs> in a small, uh, uh, town, Southern town where you only get money if you, uh, you know, uh, if your family name is correct. Right. <laughs> okay. So it was none of that. And, and <laughs> I, I say that as I'm, you know, watching the Murdoch things, uh, and you know, all those people are people that I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, and, and, and so you know, your name does become known after uh, a bit of time. But uh, anyway, uh, that's why I came into the business. I, I just simply wanted to support my family. Right. You know, it's funny because I'm in the same boat where I've been doing this for 35 years <clears throat> and people always ask me, did you have like Aspari when you were in high school? And I was like, honestly, it was a job out of high school. I was a single mom of two kids. It was a job I had. I worked my way up the corporate ladder, put myself through college and it just clicked. But it was just sometimes it's just, you know, it just happens, you know. <laughs> it is. And, you know, it, uh, uh, not to bore you or the people that are listening, mm -hmm. uh, the when I, uh, I, I, you know, my third attempt of doing my accounting class, <laughs> I had a professor that uh, put three annual reports on the table mm -hmm. and said, okay, tell me which one to invest into. Right. That kind of lit up my world. That was you know, as boring as my life is, uh, <laughs> that, that, that I found that incredibly exciting. Right. And, um, and, and then, you know, um, I, I did a study at a, at, for on money supply, uh, uh, a different project, and I tied the uh, President Nixon's election to Arthur Burns manipulating the money supply in 71, 72, which later led to the wage price controls because they had stimulated the money supply into the mid-teens, which historically had never been done. Uh, and... And so uh, the uh, uh, Dr. Albert Cox, who was President Nixon's economic advisor, um, I put him on the board of one of my companies that I took control of. Mm -hmm. And I said, Bert, I said, you know, when I was in college, I wrote this paper about Arthur Burns uh, manipulating money supply for the benefit of Nixon's uh, reelection. 
Mm-hmm. And I said, did, it, did I have it right? And he said, absolutely. That's exactly what we did. <laughs> well, you obviously were on to something. <laughs> All right. So anyway, <laughs> sorry for boring you with that. No, it's all good. Now tell us what challenges have you faced during your career in the investment advisory industry? Oh, well, you know, you know, uh, perhaps everyone already knows this. The you can't have a successful career without uh, if you're if you're in the retail brokerage business, which is where I start, unless you have a clear pathway for raising hundred million dollars or more. And if you can't do that, and it can't be from friends and family, uh, you know, that's your problem and that's your challenge. Right. So how do you do that? Um, you know, I, 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 I was fortunate at the time that interest rates were high. I had a sports background and I, I, I went to the sports agents and said, hey, I, I, I really sucked at what I did professionally on the court. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, you can turn over, since I couldn't play well, uh, maybe I can manage well. <laughs> uh, so, you know, give me your clients' monies. <laughs> and it took about a year and a half, but I ended up with 100 professional athletes. Wow. And that, that gave me my path mm-hmm. and some credibility into the industry. Nice. That all went away uh, about eight, nine years down the road. Mm-hmm. And I went up, uh, and I, I went up to see my CEO up up in New York, um, mm-hmm. the big wirehouse. And he said, "Well, Bill, what are you going to do?" <laughs> All right. <laughs> Geez, George, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> but let, let me try this out. I said, "I think I can raise money internationally." Uh, um, he goes, "Oh, really?" And he goes, "Well, where do you want to go?" And I said, "Well, you know, let me try the Middle East." We have no coverage there. Uh, let me take over the Middle East. Yeah. He said, that's interesting. Um, uh, and he, he said two things to me. He said, first, um, if I let you do this, you have to make a promise uh, that you'll be successful. And I said, that's a pretty big, uh, <laughs> pretty big uh, yeah. promise. <laughs> I got this one. Don't don't worry. So, yeah, I'm going to be embarrassed running cover for you uh, if I give you this. And uh, say, so if you're not successful, uh, it doesn't look good on me. I said, yeah, you don't have to worry about that. And then he said, you know, when are when are you moving? Uh, you know, what part of the Middle East are you moving? I said, no. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, my family's in Hilton Head. We'll say I'll commute. Right. He goes, ah. He said, well, you know. Every expense that you have in, in being successful in the Middle East is your expense. The company will not pay one penny of it. Wow. And uh, I said, I said, great. I shook hands. And uh, it was um, uh, uh, during the period where um, I, I, I always maintain interns. Mm-hmm. And so I had a Quiddy intern and I, I, I said, your job is to set up uh, meetings. I'll take you back to Kuwait. That was a summer internship. Okay. And and so he he put me on the phone. This is uh, you know the first week of his internship. He put me on the phone with the Kuwait Investment Authority. So mm-hmm. this is pretty good. And I had a you know an idea uh, relating to a contingent value right with Mary and Merrill Dow. 
And so I put it past them and you know, I said, well, you know, we have an interest in this, but one is we only invest uh, at a minimum of 300 million. Uh, can you handle that? I was, <laughs> I was hoping it was five, but sure. You know, exactly. We can, we, we can do the 300 for you. Wow. <laughs> and, the, and the second is, you know, everybody in the summer disappears and we won't be back to September to really evaluate this. Will the investment still be around? I said, sure. Of course it will be. Anyway, not knowing. Uh, <laughs> and so I called up my CEO and I said, George, you wouldn't believe this, but the Quay Investment Authority actually likes my idea. Uh, and that's, and, and you know, the industry has changed so much. Any, anytime somebody has an independent idea, you know, uh, we can talk about this later, uh, all the red flags come up. Uh, so the, <laughs> I said, George, would you uh, uh, fly out and help me with the presentation? I said, so, sure, we'll do that. So, but his expense will be covered. So, so the, <laughs> the week before the uh, our meeting, uh, Iraq invaded Kuwait. <laughs> and, so, and so, so now I have Rami Suleiman and in, 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 in the rest of my interns in, a, in an apartment that's on a lease that's coming to an end. I said, well, Rami, your parents are under house for us. You know, you, you take the third floor bedroom and they can stay with me as long as you want. But I said, who do you know in Saudi Arabia? And he said, well, my godfather is the chairman of Aramco. <laughs> I said, Let, let's get him on the phone. So he set me up with 50 um, appointments with the 50 wealthiest families in the kingdom. And during Desert Shield, I, I went out there uh, for the month of November, uh, cold calling on, which was great because no one else was doing that because Iraq was on the uh, uh, Saudi border shooting uh, missiles over. Wow. <laughs> and so, and, and to go back. boring. <laughs> What started in the in the um, uh, in, in the beginning of our conversation was that um, uh, well the <laughs> one of the families said um, yeah we like the idea and it was the same uh, stupid idea which was the Marion Reynolds Dow contingent value right and he said we like it we'll try it but if it doesn't work never ever ask us to invest in another one of your ideas. So much pressure. <laughs> I, I said, sure. Uh, um, uh, you know, just give me your money. <laughs> of course it's going to work. So it did. Okay, good. <laughs> it, 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 it did, and, and it worked for the next 10 years. Wow, okay. Um, uh, and, and then that's when I went off to do the roll-up. Uh, each, each deal... Uh, took years of my, or shortened my lifespan by years. <laughs> I'm sure it did. <laughs> they were all public companies. They were all investments that had great ideas. There was an event that was going that I saw that would trigger revaluation. The revaluation never came about the way it should have come about, which led to being an activist shareholder, which CNBC, Fox. And, and at the time, uh, it was CNN, FN, all loved hearing about these uh, <laughs> stories of failed investments that I had to work on uh, to make it work. Ooh, you definitely have the pressure on your shoulders. <laughs> that's yeah, so that's why I wanted to do something different. 
Yeah, I can't say I blame you. <laughs> now, how has the investment advisory industry changed over the years? Yeah, you know, for the worst, um, uh, they they have um, uh, really decided upon that diversification uh, is best suited for the uh, conservative safety of principle type clients. So when you read that, you go, okay, if I invest in things I don't know, right. my money is safer. You go, really? How does that work? <laughs> so, okay. Um, Flipping a coin. Uh, yeah. So, so you know, last year is a perfect example of uh, uh, why investing into things that you don't know doesn't work. Now, it, it, it doesn't work like that. Uh, it, 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 you know, from Benjamin Graham to Warren Buffett to everybody, you know, safety in principle really comes from, and, and well, it's really two things, wealth preservation and um, uh, uh, creation of wealth. But they both really have the same common denominator is you eliminate risk by knowledge. Mm -hmm. In knowing the situation, looking at all sides, understanding all risks, am I comfortable with the risk? And am I not? Okay. So, you know, that ranges from I'll go buy a two year treasury and you go, that's where my risk is. Okay. But you understand the United States government's going to make good on this in two years. You know this. Okay, you don't put money into a bond fund where you where you take a maturity date and you go, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a diversified portfolio of bonds that have no maturity dates. Right. Who in their right mind <laughs> thinks that works uh, over a full market cycle? Well, you, the people that think that works is the compliance department, all the lawyers that don't understand finance. Right. And they're the ones that are governing the finance industry because what they look at is when we get sued, when we get pulled before arbitration, how can I defend it? Well, if, I, if I'm defending diversification uh, uh, for a conservative investment, it works on a defense. Okay, is it good for investment? No, it's, it's terrible. It's a, a terrible idea, but legally they win. And that's how the industry has changed. Right. You know, it's funny. I mean, it has nothing to do with the investing cycle, but I know what you mean from like a marketing standpoint. I work a lot in the financials. And just to give an example, you know, Reg FD, Regulation Federal Disclosure. This was set decades ago and it was dead set against social media. But nowadays the world is on social media. So when you have companies like everybody, I watch iPad, I, you know, everybody's, you know, checking their investments online. So when you try to promote these companies, these financial companies online. Again, I'm not just giving my opinion. I'm repurposing information that's already public knowledge, a press release, right. media, whatever. But the lawyers for the companies only know Reg FD and they say, no, 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 you can't touch it. It got so bad that I actually tried the beginning of a year. I reached out to everybody under the sun from the SEC saying, can we do a 20 minute podcast where we talk about what they can and can't do, because that'll make them feel a little better about doing this. Nobody would touch it. I said, they don't understand social media. The, the lawyers for these companies just follow whatever the SEC says. I said, so you're just stuck in this bubble that you, you want to reach this audience that's online, but you can't go online to reach them. It's like, 
there has to be an answer to this. So I get what you're saying about everybody following what the legal, they don't understand what they're working with. They only know like whatever's in the book, you know, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, 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 uh, so lawyers don't understand financial markets. Right. Uh, uh, I, I, I dare say that, uh, uh, only a few of them actually understand business. And, and the fact that they are ruling the roost on the financial industry uh, is not to the uh, investment public's best interest. For sure, I agree 100%. Now, what creative financial solutions have you implemented for public and private sectors? Yeah, the, um, you know, for the work I did with a private equity firm, I was securitizing um, unloved receivables uh, uh, of uh, uh, state and local governments. So that was interesting work uh, in, in the sense that, um, uh, because you had to really pull it together as a, uh, you know, what is it worth? What's the value? Uh, how do you liquidate? Uh, you know, where are you gonna end up? What's the return? So it was a very interesting exercise and in, in, in the space where I was, it didn't work. Uh, on the roll-up that I'm doing right now, um, it's um, also unique uh, in the industry. Uh, uh, essentially, you know, when you have, um, you know, all, all these uh, investment advisors really rolled out of the um, big wirehouses. Mm -hmm. and, and now, you know, they're age 70 uh, uh, with, with clients that are, uh, have five years left to live um, uh, or 85, 90 type thing. And that describes <laughs> the majority of that industry. Uh, uh, um, you know, uh, so you do have new generations and that's, as I said, that's the group that I'm looking at. So because I've owned my own IRA and because these are essentially peers of mine for the past 40 years, I kind of know where they're coming from. And, and the, there's about 20 or so consolidators in the market and every one of them is tone deaf to the one that is uh, uh, handling uh, the high net worth individual. Uh, yeah, most of the roles, if you think about like uh, uh, UMG, UN, uh, United Asset Managers and Affiliate Money Managers Group that came out of uh, Goldman Sachs, they were all focused in on the institutional market, which meant that their, the, their customer contracts were as good as last quarter's performance. Right. And then after that kind of disappeared. So here I just built a model around addressing my peers, uh, one from an investor perspective of how to keep it safe, you know, reasonably safe but, uh, um, uh, and yet generating an above average or above market rate of return. From, and from the, uh, the investment advisor perspective, it gave them a chance of freedom, not changing their back office platform, and gave them the time to transition out of the business in a, in a way that they would like to transit because every one of them will say, uh, I'm not interested in the money. 
I'm only interested in my client's welfare. That <laughs> is a real statement because when you're working with the same families for 20, 30 years, right. they feel like your family. And many of them are exactly have made that transformation to, oh, they're the clients that pay my bills to, oh my God, these are the clients that, you know, uh, that really feel like my, uh, perhaps yeah, better than my own family members. Nice. I mean, yeah, nice. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that has not been addressed in the industry and in the, uh, uh, with the consolidators. Mm -hmm. So as I said, I, uh, created a novel, um, uh, solution, uh, to allow that to happen. Right. Uh, very nice though. Now, how does the process of public public company listings, reverse merger negotiations, capital raises, and distressed debt, debt acquisition work? It's well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I have found myself in you know the later stage of my career um, uh, uh, being employed by companies that want to grow, mm -hmm. uh, the, that they want to expand, don't know how to do it, and um, uh, and they all have this dream of. I want to be a public company. Yeah. So it's pretty easy to be a public company. You just need about $500,000 to uh, <laughs> go buy a shell. And then you need another 500 to a million dollars to burn that has nothing to do with your business, uh, but has everything to do with the professional fees that you pay. And then, and then you have to hire an investor relations person because there is no sponsorship for your stock. And, 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 and you go, oh, my God, I, I'm, I'm, this is my full-time job trying. And the question becomes, why are you public? Right. Why? What, what is the purpose of being public outside of ego? And in a good you know, dinner conversation, I'm CEO of a public company. Yeah. And it's a very expensive dinner conversation. <laughs> uh, and, and usually it does not end as what the person had hoped mm -hmm. uh it it you know really as you expand it's and, and patty you know this is it, it's, it's really simple it's how you only take the amount of capital that you need right. and the time frame that you are in uh because if it works your valuation will grow so if, you know, if you're past the family and friends stop, I mean, really, uh, unfortunately, you, you have to take a look at debt because, because your dilution factor is so high, which further increases the principal's risk, but it's about the risk and reward. And then, and then, you know, and, and then as you start moving into, you know, um, uh, seed capital, venture capital, uh, private equity, uh, and, and maybe uh, going public, uh, you know, you address those issues as your valuation goes up and, you know, you have, you can prove out, I have three years of income and stability and success. And so everybody should be interested in me. So that, yeah, um, you have to take each situation, but I think you try to minimize dilution, you try to minimize headaches, and you, and you eliminate ego uh, during the process uh, uh, because this, this is not about you. It's really about your stakeholders uh, growing their wealth. Which is awesome that you see that and you advocate for that. Um, it should be that way. Your shareholders are what make you a company. 
the more your shareholders are satisfied and making money, the more they're going to buy, the more they're going to invest, the better it is for you. And so it's great that you advocate for that. Now, what tips would you give to these looking to break into the investment advisory industry? Yeah, you know, it kind of goes back to my earlier statement. Uh, you have to have in your head how you're going to raise $100 million that's not friends and family uh, to invest into, uh, um, uh, you know, unfortunately, products of whoever's hiring you. And, 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 and as I said, I, um, I have a hard time with that because of the products are investing into things that you know nothing about. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and, and you're telling your clients, well, I really don't have the intelligence to really <laughs> recommend anything to you, but uh, except that these people are smarter than me. So please put your money into the, uh, these products that are, that are governed by people that are smarter than me. Uh, that's a very tough statement to say. Right. And, and that's what the industry is looking for you to say. And, and that's your challenge. And you're, you're, you're uh, as I said, yeah. And it doesn't have to be anything fantastic. It could be right now um, uh, going by in the one year, the two year treasuries. Do you have a pathway to go out and, and um, interest people to buy the one or two year treasuries? You build up a portfolio of over a hundred million dollars of treasuries, sooner or later, there is going to be a diversification need or want and and you have and even though you're not uh, um, uh, making a living off of that hundred million dollars in treasuries, you you now have the clients to make the uh, uh, a living off of. So that's my advice. Nice. Now, what do you believe are the most important skills needed to succeed in the investment advisory industry? Well, you know, I have to steal this from my days at the big wirehouse. Uh, um, uh, uh, they would always do surveys. And, you know, the, the, it was always associated to, for justifying the big advertising campaigns that they would do. And they were always frustrated by this result from the surveys that they would conduct with the clients. And they go, why are you doing business with Merrill Lynch? Why? Yeah. And they want to hear, oh, you know, the research, they're big, they're respected, <laughs> da, 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 da. It was never that. That was never the answer. Never. It was, I like my advisor. Nice. And they didn't like that? <laughs> no, because the power went to the advisor, not to the to the corporation. That's why there are so many registered investment advisory firms today, right. because all those clients like the advisor and they didn't really uh, care about whether it was Fidelity, Merrill Lynch, right. Bob, or whatever. Uh, they were in it because they believed in that person. That's good though. I mean, it's unfortunately short um, in short supply these days, but it is good that people can have that connection because like I said, if they, trust you and they value you and know that you value them, they're going to stick around for a long time and you never know someone's situation. You well, know? Yeah, now, yeah, now we're going to uh, artificial intelligence and chat box mm -hmm. where the investment advisor will no longer will be is in a buggy whip business. 
right. uh, because artificial intelligence and the attorneys, clearly the attorneys will lead the charge on that because everything that will be said, you know, uh, 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 will have been pre-approved by <laughs> compliance in their responses. So, you know, uh, you know, the attorneys will get to say exactly what they want to, uh, for the clients to hear. <laughs> Crazy. Now, what advice would you give to those looking to pursue a career in public finance? Public finance is hard. Um, you know, I, I, um, I ran a, um, you know, the technology company, um, uh, we sold to state and local governments. Uh, for the private equity firm, I was securitizing government receivables. Uh, the uh, uh, government contracting and, and doing business with state and local governments uh, usually involves an RFP process, uh, uh, which is uh, a, a request for proposals and, and requests for information, RFIs. And, and those are people um, uh, uh, make decisions that may not be in the best interest of that particular locality. Uh, and I, I say this for someone who has spent a lot of time in these processes, uh, some of it very good, some of it not so good, but it, and there is a corruption in the in in our governments uh mm -hmm. and and you know they have all the laws and things like that but it's corruption once removed um is is the is the is the uh pattern of uh, uh of decisions that are being made uh and as uh, we don't i don't need to go into <laughs> examples and, and and probably create a legal mess for my <laughs> no, don't do that. Uh, for doing so <laughs> But the, but the public finance it has very long lead times, uh, is very relationship uh, oriented, which is a very nice way of saying it. And, and I would encourage uh, somebody to go a different path. Okay, <laughs> good advice though. <laughs> now what's been the, I guess the biggest successes of your career in the investment advisory industry? Well, I don't know. The I, I think uh, probably my biggest was um, my first year in business. Uh, my um, grandfather called me up and said, "You know, what should I buy?" And <laughs> I, and uh, said, "We're um, uh, you know, family very limited means." And so I said, "You know, um, uh, buy a thousand shares of Exxon Mobil." And that was like 1981. Wow. It supported him. And my mom, who's 91, um, and got them through their retirement years incredibly well. Good job. Uh, so, uh, you know, <laughs> as I said, I'm family oriented, and, 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 and that had a huge impact uh, uh, for, my, um, uh, for my family. Right. Uh, the, I, I think from an emotional high, mm -hmm. uh, some of the uh, uh, stuff I did with a proxy contest to take control of a New York Stock Exchange conglomerate with ma management going in already controlled 25% of the vote of the shareholders. And as you know, 50% of the shareholders vote. It's a big freaking deal. Right. And my slate won the day. Wow. 
That was that was such an adrenaline high. <laughs> I bet <laughs> it was just incredible. And yeah, uh, 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 there was a few other instances, not to bore you, but uh, uh, similar type experiences where you kind of risked it all, and you, you, you thought, well, this isn't going to work, and then and then it did. So there there was a guardian angel at one point on my shoulder. Well, the fact that you took a chance and moved to Quetar, I mean, and guaranteeing success, uh, yeah, you're definitely a risk taker and it's paid off, obviously. That's great. <laughs> now, what advice would you give to those looking to navigate the complexities of security issuance? Well, uh, uh, I think the answer is really simple. Um, uh, you, you need a good securities attorney. Uh, it is a um, highly regulated, uh, nuanced field. And um, anybody that um, is not uh, in the business of rendering advice in this area should stay the heck out of it <laughs> because the penalties are so severe and large. Uh, unless, as I said, unless you're well guided, uh, your risks exceed your rewards. Yeah, and like you say, it's definitely a you know a cost worth uh, worth incurring because it's <laughs> if you don't have it, it could be a lot worse. Yeah. Now, anything else you want to add? I'm about what you do and how people can help or how you can help people? Well, I, you know, um, I, I think, you know, um, as, as, I, as I look back over my career, um, I, 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 I have two things in background. I'm not a momentum moment. I, I don't keep momentum. I, I can't say it right. You know, things from my past, but I have a couple of things Three things in my background that you can see. First one are those tennis rackets. Uh, I have a tennis background. And when I came to Hilton Head, um, uh, the former number one player in the world um, uh, was looking for somebody to hit with. And because I, I wasn't good as a competitive player, I was good enough uh, uh, to be beaten up on. By <laughs> somebody that was uh, the player of the century, which was Rod Laver. So wow. he gave me a couple of his uh, uh, rackets. And it's, it's, nice. really, it's, it's really interesting because they're old Dunlop Max spies. And, <laughs> and they, uh, he shaved him down. He was under sponsorship with Kemmel. So he got Kemmel stickers on these uh, Dunlop Max spies. Uh, the camel, oh, yeah, the right place at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> that, that client in Saudi Arabia, uh, the that camel came from an art shop that he bought for me in France uh, outside of Monte Carlo. And uh, that was their corporate logo, camels, okay. uh, the Elisa family. Uh, so he was the one saying, I'll, I'll take a chance on you, but make sure <laughs> the investment works and never ask again. Wow. And then the, the, the one behind me is just a chalkboard that you can't see, but um, I have seven kids. Okay, wow. <laughs> and, and my second oldest daughter, uh, who um, uh, is living on a farm outside of Charleston. Okay. Uh, 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 and, you know, it, when, when the grid goes down and 
nuclear bombs are raining in on New York City. I'm heading to her farm. <laughs> it, it, it's self, it's <laughs> and it, she lived in a trailer, I mean, in a camper uh, for almost two years while she and her husband cut down timber, dragged the timber to a, a, the local lumber mill and hand built their house. Wow, really? Really. That's quite the accomplishment. Oh. Really. And, and um, so she, she um, uh, 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 drew on that chalkboard and said, you know, to the man uh, 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 who uh, taught us how to live life as an adventure. Oh, that is so sweet. But you definitely did. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That yeah. is quite an accomplishment and something that yeah, I'll always yeah, look back uh, on. It, we did this. Yeah. Yes, nice. so that was very cool. <laughs> so that's it. That's it. So I want to thank you for your time. No, thank you. I'm going to put your um, LinkedIn info on the back, but if there's uh, you want to tell people how they could get a hold of you. That's great. No, just contact me on LinkedIn. Okay, and um, I'll post uh, that on here. Yeah, okay, just cool. message me and uh, say uh, you bored me to death, but <laughs> no. have a business opportunity to discuss with you. <laughs> no, it's all good. Well, thanks again for being on the show. Again, that was Bill Danzel of Dutch American Capital. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show here. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Patty. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.